Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, has Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang's UK budget U-turn saved the pound and their own jobs? But I'm not going to cut the additional rate of tax today, Mr. Speaker. I'm going to abolish it altogether. British pound hitting an all-time low today against the dollar. One pound equaling about a dollar three cents. It's now back up to like a bucks. Now the British pound has fallen to its lowest level ever against the US dollar. In After plunging the pound with a disastrous mini-budget, Downing Street has now reversed plans to scrap the 45% top rate of tax, which would have benefited the rich. Oh, the Prime Minister decided not, not to go. So it was essentially the Prime Minister leading on this now, the, the U-turn. No, no we, we talked together. Uh, I said this is what I was minded to do, and we decided together, we're in agreement, that we wouldn't proceed uh, with ab- the abolition of the rate. But the crisis has put the necks of the new Prime Minister and Chancellor on the line after just four weeks in office. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by the Irish Independence business editor Donal O'Donovan and media consultant and former Sky News correspondent Enda Brady to look at the man behind the UK's budget and the impact in Ireland of the economic fallout. Enda Brady, you were running the London Marathon at the weekend. Did you by any chance spot the Chancellor of the Exchequer running around in a circle performing U-turns as, on your en route? <laughs> I think he was running backwards, really, if I saw him. Uh, oh, look, it, it's always a wonderful event, the London Marathon. But, you know, it's it's signalled to me that there's still the potential to do great things in the UK and for London to come together. And there was a lot of people holding up a banner that said, you're running better than this government. And I think that says it all, really. So, Quasi Quarteng, relatively new name to us on on this side of the pond. Tell me about him. So, he's part of the 2010 intake of Conservative MPs. People inside the Conservative Party will tell you that this is a phenomenally intelligent man. He may well be, but he's got off to an extremely rocky start. Um, Education-wise, he went to Eton. Eton College is a private boarding school in Berkshire, just beside Windsor Castle, just up the road from that. Um, You're right now, if you wanted to put a child through an Eton education, you'd be looking at somewhere in the region of 40 to 45,000 pounds sterling a year in fees. So he's from a, a successful background. His parents 
come originally from Ghana in West Africa. They emigrated to the UK in the 60s. His mother was a barrister. His dad was a, an economist. He was an only child. And from Eton College, he went to Cambridge University uh, studying history and classics. And from Cambridge, he went to Harvard. So educationally, he ticks all the amazing boxes of a classic British establishment education. Um, but he is not without his flaws if you talk to people who've worked with him. And of course, a, a famous appearance on University Challenge during his university times, times as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hello, I'm Crosby Quarting from London and I'm reading classics. Which museum is a painstaking replica of the Villa dei Papyri in Herculaneum, built on the West Pacific Coast Highway at Malibu and containing many world famous works of art? Trinity Quarting. The John Paul Getty Museum. It is indeed. What about his his political outlook, uh, often described as right-wing, Thatcherite, but, but he would argue it's a bit more nuanced than that? So he's a guy who paints himself out to be extremely intelligent. And if ever a policy goes wrong or something doesn't work out, you will often hear elements of the right-wing media here quoting friends of Quasi as saying that, look, he's just so clever, people don't understand him. And that's basically a failure of communications, because if you're a politician and you're trying to get a message across, you know, communicating the message through the media to the public, through to the electorate is absolutely key. It's all about the message. You look back at Tony Blair, absolute communications genius, him and Alistair Campbell, what they did, people understood what they were doing always. It was always about the message. Quarteng just seems to be if you speak to his critics, they will tell you an extremely arrogant individual who basically just sees his way or the highway and doesn't take any prisoners, never listens to advice. And I think in modern politics, that has got to be a flaw. Until this week, there seemed to be a very close relationship uh, with Liz Truss, obviously with, with her appointing him uh, as Chancellor of the Exchequer and moving in next door to 11 Downing Street. Tell us about that relationship between the two of them. Are they like-minded? Well, they've known each other a very long time. They are like-minded. People would say they're birds of a feather in that they, they are people who genuinely believe they are right and everyone else is an idiot. And look how it's working out. So they live very close to each other. They're neighbours just a couple of streets away in Greenwich in southeast London. Quite, quite a middle-class, salubrious part of town to live in. Um, they, they're politically very, very close. They're supposed to be good friends, but I think what's happened today with the, the U-turn, I think she's thrown him under the bus. Okay, so, so now just this sequence is interesting. So you went to her and said, I don't think we should do it. And she said, yeah, I agree with you. We had a conversation, as we always do, we talk all the time about how we're going to get the country moving, about how we're going to get uh, Britain uh, motoring ahead about growth, about opportunity. Talk all of the time about these things. And this 45p uh, discussion was simply a huge distraction. I mean, it's been made quite clear to Liz Trust that this policy of removing the top rate of tax for Britain's super high earners, 45% tax rate, getting rid of that to fund tax cuts and reducing benefits from the poorest people in society, calamitous policy in a cost of living crisis, absolutely calamitous. And They've obviously, over the weekend, had conversations. I know of at least 15 Conservative MPs who've come out and said that they would not back this through Parliament, that it is unconservative. You know, tax cuts and more borrowing and not paying debt back, it's fis fiscally ridiculous. Uh, as the markets proved, and the pound crashing last week, 
the Bank of England having to get involved to stop the pension system from collapsing. It was hours away from collapsing at the tune of £65 billion. That's what it cost the Bank of England to do that. So if there is a clever policy here, I think most people are struggling to see it. Yeah, and and yes, he's regarded previously, I suppose, as as kind of a a pragmatic individual, a a backer of of Boris Johnson. Where was he on Brexit? So he was pro-Brexit. He saw Brexit as an opportunity for him. Look, him and Liz Truss and others were involved in writing a book when they got into Parliament called Britannia Unchained. And they formed the view that the United Kingdom was being held back by Europe, by red tape, by bureaucracy, by other people telling Britain what to do. They famously said in that book that um, the, the British working population British working class people are uh, lazy idlers. That was a phrase that, you know, that they just don't believe in the output economically of Britain, that the people and the mindset are holding Britain back. So hence that big book, Britannia Unchained. But I, I would say for about six or seven years, Quasi Quartin got nowhere in politics. You know, he came to Parliament in 2010. David Cameron obviously never rated him. Uh, then he got a break under Theresa May. He was brought in as a, a Brexit minister. and then. Uh, loyalty to Johnson basically got him a job as business minister and then he was made business secretary and he's gone off like a rocket ever since and now he's in one of the most powerful offices of state the second most powerful really Chancellor of the Exchequer living at number 11 Downing Street And are his fortunes utterly tied to to Liz Truss? Personally I think the two of them long term are toast I mean if you just look at the polls last week Labour on 54% Keir Starmer doesn't need to do anything. Just stand back and let them keep doing what they're doing because the British public are speaking. He has a 33 percentage point lead. In terms of what happens Quarteng, I think if it comes to it, she will bin him off very, very quickly indeed. And politically, they are inextricably linked because you know the first thing she did when she became prime minister was get this guy in and make him chancellor. And you need to pick your team cleverly And I think in a cost of living crisis where people genuinely in the UK are now worrying about heating their homes this winter, to take that and have people worrying about how they're going to pay their mortgages. I mean, we're looking at mortgage rates going up to 6.5% next year. Um, Something has gone badly wrong very, very quickly. And I, I think this week, the Conservative Party conference in Birmingham is a huge week for Quarteng and Truss. And for day one to be overshadowed by a massive U-turn, a humiliating kind of embarrassment, really, if you can call it anything else, is not good. At a time when people are suffering, and you're quite right to point out the concerns that people have, not just over mortgages, but over benefits. When you have additional billions of pounds in play, to have as your principal decision the headline tax move, cutting tax for the wealthiest, that is a display of the wrong values. So, Donald, are Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang in favour of supporting the most privileged in society today or not? Where are they at? I think they are, but they're struggling to get it through. I, I, I mean, all evidence and, and really since uh, the mini budget a, a, a week ago, and totally misnamed mini budget, massive budget um, uh, Friday a week ago, is that they are absolutely committed, that they're ideologically committed to shrinking the UK state, the British state. Um, and they're struggling with the politics of that at the moment for lots of reasons. They're struggling within their own party. Um, obviously, big U-turn um, uh, on Monday morning. The 
decision not to plough ahead with cutting the top rate of tax, which in the UK is 45% on anything over €150, which we can look at very enviously um, as taxpayers in this country. But that that became very toxic. Now, there are a lot of tax cuts in that budget still. So even if you remove that top rate tax cut, um, they're reducing national insurance, which is their their version of PRSI uh, significantly. They're reducing the standard rate of tax. So the the, the 20% standard rate of tax that applies up to €150,000 in the UK is being reduced to 19%. They're, they've scrapped plans to increase corporate t- corporation tax. They are reducing stamp duty. There's a whole raft, a much bigger package there. Um, uh, but politically, what became very toxic was the, exactly that, that, that idea that the highest tax earners were getting the biggest tax cut. And as, as late as Sunday lunchtime, Liz Truss was insisting they were sticking to this cut. Are you absolutely committed to abolishing the 45 pence tax rate for the wealthiest people in the country? Yes. And it is part, Laura, it is part of an overall package Mm -hmm. of making our tax system simpler and lower. 100%, yeah. It it looks like it's a revolt in the Conservative Party, ultimately. Um, Seeing the polls, seeing just how toxic, just how badly this is going down. Within the UK political system, that that forced that U-turn. What's interesting to me, I suppose, as someone who covers the bond markets and the financial markets is you would have thought or you might have expected that it was the it was the response on the markets that might have forced uh, a U-turn and that would have forced a different U-turn, I think. So ultimately, the package is still much the same. That's not a huge part of the overall package of all those other tax cuts, 45 billion euros a year of tax cuts, which are going to be funded by borrowing. Um, If all of that remains, then the overall package is still sitting there, is still weighing on confidence in the British economy. The pound is up, but really substantially because the central bank in England, the the, the Bank of England has spent 65 billion, somebody said it's about three, three and a half thousand euros an hour, every hour since the birth of, of Christ. That's that sort of magnitude over a couple of days is being spent to prop up the pound. Let's go back to, to Friday week and the announcement of this mini budget. For one moment, give Quasi Quarting the benefit of the doubt. What was he actually trying to do? What was his economic theory? He's a supply side, sort of very uh, doctrinaire, I think, um, uh, believer in, in supply side economic socialist trust. So they believe in a smaller state, a significantly reduced state that will require ultimately in the long term fewer taxes to be raised because you have fewer services because the private sector does more. Um, they also, part of that budget was to make it harder to, to claim benefits in the UK. So there, the, there is a plan, there is an overall, there's an ideological, very ideological um, budget. It's about reducing the, the size of the state. The problem is that, 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 that the markets don't believe that they're going to have a smaller state in the near term. They're going to be borrowing and, the, and, and they don't like the look of that unfunded um, tax cut. So that was the theory. And in practice, it resulted in dramatic plummeting of sterling. Yeah, so the, I mean, financial investors took a look at that and said, okay, you're going to be spending more, you're going to be borrowing to do it, you don't have a credible plan right at this moment in time for how you're going to be paying this back. It's not that they took the view that the UK was going to go bankrupt anytime soon, but they took the, 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 the view that the UK, which has its own currency, the currency was going to be worth less, is going to be worth less in the longer term. So what happened when the bond yield in the UK rose very, very quickly? incredibly quickly and these swings partly because this budget really came out of the blue for people uh, it's only 
it's only a couple of weeks since uh, Liz Truss and, 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 and her cabinet took office. They hadn't really informed the world that this was their plan. They certainly hadn't laid any groundwork and that they're, they, they're committed. It seems like they were committed at the point of the mini budget to implementing this incredibly fast. You know, this was not sort of three years to transform the economy. This was three months to transform the economy. It's revolutionary stuff. Um, so the bonds fell. The sterling fell. Bank of England at that point had to intervene and they intervened on a massive scale. An absolutely massive scale, as I said, 65 billion in a couple of days just to buy bonds. So they're using up their own resources. They're using money, real money that, 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 that that's sitting in the Bank of England, probably foreign currency to do that. What impact has all of this had on the Irish economy? Relatively little, it has to be said so far. Partly that is because this is happening at an extraordinary pace. Um, it's still happening. It's still playing out. It's playing out kind of within the kind of Conservative Party. The thing that's most notable is that it's been a relatively small um, impact on us. So historically, if you go back to the days of John Major and the ERM and all that sort of stuff, uh, when the, the U- early nineties, the early nineties, yeah, the, the early nineties, if the UK had devalued, if the pound had devalued, we would have been pegged to the pound and we would have had to devalue. So we would have. Our pound was very much tied to the UK pound. We're not in that situation anymore. We're in the euro. The euro is under pressure, had been under pressure anyway, uh, but it's not an immediate kind of swamping eff- effect, if you like. Then the other the other impact, obviously, is that anyone who sells into the UK, lots of traditional manufacturers here, people who make food, people who make uh, uh, construction materials, supply construction materials, uh, they are sitting here in Ireland having sent out goods, maybe, you know, on a crate two weeks ago, they'll get paid in 30 days or 90 days. They're watching the value of that already sold order reducing kind of by the day, which is a very, very, very difficult position to be in. The UK is now a very kind of unpredictable place. Sterling is an unpredictable thing. So if you get paid in sterling, it's very difficult to kind of manage your own costs in the euros. Because effectively you were getting one euro equaled 85p basically two weeks ago or thereabouts, and it was swaying between 83, 86 and, and so on, fairly consistent. Suddenly it was 89, 90p was all you were you were getting. So it, it's reducing the amount of money you're getting for your products. Basically. Yeah, and a lot of businesses, a lot of kind of, you know, if you're in the food business, if you're supplying mushrooms or, 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 or meat or whatever, your margin is really getting wiped out at that point. What about going the opposite direction though? Do you expect lots of people to be heading up to, to Nuri? Uh, to do their their Christmas shopping and filling up the boat with drink. Yeah, you would you would imagine so. Like the pound is going to stay under pressure. I, I I don't see the kind of the current kind of recovery as, as sustainable unless there's a significant kind of change in their in their in their budgeting plans. Uh, that that is going to put pressure on 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 retailers, particularly you know anywhere anywhere near the border. Yeah, and then you don't have um, obviously the minimum pricing of alcohol. Uh, in effect, so yeah, the booze run into Christmas. I imagine would be a very big uh, effect. All told, though, is this kind of a sign that either A, we are a more mature economy now, or B, our dependence upon the UK and sterling is kind of waning? We are now more a more European economy. I think that's right. In historic terms, it's difficult to, to think of a situation where the UK economy went into a kind of, a, you know, a crash course and it didn't backwash onto us in a very quick and a very big way and that isn't happening this time around now there will be I think there'll be there'll, there'll be after effects and the fact that our nearest economy in many ways still our most important trading economy although we, we, we trade more with other places um, is in a bit of a tailspin politically and economically that's going to impact us in the long term hard to see how it doesn't my thanks to Donald Donovan and Enda Brady I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Mary Carr, 
researched by Gareth Mulhall with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Channel 4, BBC, NBC, ITV, The Guardian and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.